Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word with Circle of Friends podcast. I'm Gwen McCaslin, your host in this discipleship series. Um, They come out every Wednesday, and I want to just thank you guys for joining with me. Um, All right, so we are at podcast probably 107.1, I think is where we are. Um, And so... Uh, Today, what I want to talk about is the context of Scripture. Um, And to set this up, I want to talk for just a minute about a a common experience that almost all of us have had. We've had those moments when we hear a piece of a conversation or um, we hear a statement, but we're missing so many of the details. Um, But we draw a conclusion without having all those facts or even realizing that we don't have certain facts. Um, And so we end up at a place of misunderstanding and sometimes even misapplying what we heard to our life experience. Um, It's very much the same way with understanding Scripture. Scripture has a very clear context that it was written in, and we'll, we'll get to kind of some of that. But with those situations where we hear a comment and it's out of co- its context and we misunderstand it, more information is what helps us to change that misunderstanding and the conclusions that we've drawn. Um, and so it's interesting how, you know, for example, the pieces that we're picking up, maybe things that we've seen, we've heard, you know, um, those kinds of things, they build a picture, And sometimes the conclusion, when we go back and we go, hey, are you and I okay? You know, I, you felt a little short the other day on the phone. And, you know, the last time we had talked, you, you told me that I hurt your feelings. And so I'm just checking in with you to see if we're okay. And, and sometimes what we find is the other person's going, oh, really? No, I'm sorry. I was short the other day. I had this on my plate and this on my plate and this on my plate. And I was trying to figure this out. And, and all of a sudden you go, oh, okay. All right, we're good. Um, and we realize with a, just a little bit more information um, that the conclusion we drew and the understanding we had from that circumstance and that information was incorrect. Okay, so it's interesting, though, that when we come to the Bible— we expect to just be able to flip it over, flip it open to just anywhere, pick a verse for our devotions, and using only those, ver- those words in that verse, we extrapolate an entire conclusion and an understanding of God, theology, and how it applies to our lives. It, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to assume that pick a verse is going to actually give us a good and accurate understanding of what that verse even means. Because when you take a verse out of its context, it loses its grounding. And so one of the things I'm going to talk about today uh, is how to keep verses in their proper t- context, um, in their Uh, in connection with the culture, the time, all of these different things. So um, we're going to talk about that. The first thing I want to talk about today a little bit is is another example, and it's um, real estate. With real estate, there are three rules that reign with real estate, and it is location, location, location. Um, A property's value is very much determined based on its location. Um, And I would say the same thing with a Bible verse. Its value is context, context, context. The Bible cannot mean something for us today that it did not mean to its original audience in its original context. 
Okay, I don't know if you caught that, so I'm going to repeat it. And this is not original to me. This is probably me more pillaging thoughts from several different amazing resources. Um, But I'm going to repeat it one more time. And so this is something you probably want to pause and write down. The Bible cannot mean something for us today that it did not mean to its original audience in its original context. Okay, that is huge to remember. Um, The entire context of the New Testament is the Old Testament. It is the Jewish faith. And so you can understand the New Testament without understanding Judaism um, and the, the foundation that was laid in the Old Testament. Because that is what the New Testament writers and Jesus himself quote from as their scriptures. Um, And so, you know, to understand that the New Testament grows out of the soil of the Old Testament, that you can't take the New Testament out of the Old Testament, that one comes from the other. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and let's talk about how would I even begin to find the context of a scripture or to get an accurate application. Okay, so there's three main rules in understanding a verse. And the first one is observation, and then we have interpretation, and then we have application. And sometimes we get these these words interchanged and mixed up. Okay, so a lot of times we will say that a passage has many different types of interpretations. Not true. There can only be one true interpretation, and that is the one that was intended by the original author to the original audience and what God's heart was through that. So I want to clarify on that because we live in a day and age where it's like, oh, relativism. You know, well, that's how you interpret it. I don't interpret it that way. No, there is one interpretation, and that is consistent with its context historically and in multiple ways. Okay, so it can only be interpreted in light of what it intentionally and originally meant to its original audience in its original context. Okay, so, and then we have application. Application, there can be many applications for a scripture passage. Um, And so that's where, you know, it, it can apply to different areas of our lives in different ways. All right, so let's, let's back up a little bit, and I want to talk about observing the text. You can't understand something when you don't notice what's actually in it, okay? So if you read over it real quick, and you see, like, one word here, one word here, and one word down there, and that's it, you can draw a wrong conclusion. So one of the first things we need to do is observe the text, and this this usually requires multiple read-throughs. And this is something that I want you to just grab the seat, your seat because this is something totally different than what you're going to hear in most places in the Christian world, except in areas where they are very much paying attention to the context of things, okay? So a lot of times they'll say read through. You might hear read through the Bible in a year. You might hear things like... Um, take one book at a time, things like that. But one of the things I've noticed over in my experience over the years is that what's missing is this read through it multiple times. If you're in a book like, mm, let's take First John, okay, it has like five or six chapters. It's real short, okay? And it's something that honestly, it would take an hour or two to read it through, but you could read start to finish in that book all in one sitting, 
okay, which would have been what the original audience would have done because it was a letter. So they would have gotten together and they would have read through this letter from John. Um, and so they would have also at that time understood exactly what Paul was t- or what John was talking about. They would have understood their culture. You know, so they wouldn't have had as many barriers as we do today in understanding and interpreting what is being meant. Um, and so one of the quotes I found, uh, and I'll probably get to it a little bit later, is that part of understanding the context of a passage is almost like you're trying to recreate what was going on at the time, um, in the author, in the community, in that city, in that town, at that time um, in history. Um, and so you're really trying to recreate the environment that that scripture passage was being communicated and created in. Um, and so, uh, part of that is we start with observation. Okay. So we observe the text. So we're going to identify things like keywords, themes, uh, in a book. Uh, for example, the book of first John love is mentioned 14, 15 times. Um, and so there's a huge emphasis on love and God's love. And so chapter four is pretty big in that. Um, there's also another emphasis of to know, um, in that book. And so you kind of understand, um, it helps you understand some of the point of the author. Um, you know, Another step is to identify the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, and the why. Um, and so, for example, if I'm doing the book of First Peter, you know, the who. Well, I'm going to be looking for details that tell me who the author was, who the audience intended it's it intended to be, um, what's going on at the time would be my what. Uh, what is he specifically t- trying to address? And in First Peter, it's persecution and he calls his audience aliens and sojourners, that they're passing through and their home is in heaven and that this earth is their temporary country and home, but they have citizenship somewhere else. And so you have to understand what's going on at that time and where that falls um, in early church history Um, and and where that falls in Peter's life too. Um, because this isn't something that was written right at the first part of the book of Acts, you know, right after Jesus goes to heaven. This is one that's written a little bit later on when persecution has just amped exponentially on the church. Um, And so the people he's writing to have suffered losses left and right. Um, They've lost friends that have been killed and martyred. They've lost property. They've lost all kinds of things for the sake of, of the gospel for the sake of the kingdom that is to come. Um, The next thing that I want to talk about is making lists Um, because lists can be incredibly helpful. So looking through a passage and making a list of all the things that it says about God, this is actually pretty incredible to do with a book um, or an epistle that uh, remember epistles or letters that has been written to a specific community. Um, And so you can, for example, the, the books of Corinthians is written to the church at Corinth. Um, and so to read those two letters together and study both, what you see is a communication of a back and forth. Um, you see the first letter written. You, can, you don't have the context or the letters that Paul would have received back, but you see his reply 
And so you'll see him readdress some things. You'll see him address things differently, things like that. Um, But when you list out what is being said about the Corinthians, you get kind of a picture of what that church was dealing with and struggling with the most. Um, You see what Paul has decided is the most important stuff to say to them. Um, For example, uh, the book of Colossians, you know, that whole first chapter, list out what it says about us as a believer, that we have been chosen, um, that it, it, it has been predestined that, you know, we are adopted as sons and daughters. List out that kind of stuff because what happens is you get a powerful picture of what's in that passage and you notice things a bit better. Um, and so basically what I want you to understand here is that you're looking at what's actually in front of you. Um, so like, for example, if I were open to Psalm 139, let's say I've never read this or I've heard it all my life and I want to make this come alive. Okay. So one of the things I'm going to look for here is I'm going to underline words like maybe words about me. So you have searched me and you know me. So searched me and he knows me. Um, you know, uh, you understand my thoughts from afar. Uh, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up and I'm going to list out all of these things and I'm going to look at what's actually said. So, you know, I might pull one of these, like, uh, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. Well, if I combine that of when, you know, when I sit and when I rise up, it's like God knows my schedule. He knows what's going on every day for me, you know? And so by making a list, I just, I cultivate rich connection to what's actually being said in this passage. Um, You know, uh, the whole part about if I ascend to the heavens, you're there. Um, If I make my bed in Sheol, even um, if I take the wings of the dawn, he's kind of going in every single direction. And you can see that when you list it out. You're like, okay, wait a minute. If I ascend all the way up into the heavens, if I make my dead's bed all the way down in, in Sheol or um, the netherworld, so to speak, that's down under my feet. Um, if I take the wings of the dawn, that's one direction. And if I dwell in the farthest side of the sea, it's kind of the opposite direction. And so you can kind of get this idea of no matter what direction I go, And then in the next couple of verses, he talks about, well, maybe I can hide in the dark. But he addresses that. He's like, the dark even becomes like light to you. And so what you have here is this multiple sensory and directional um, picture of the fact that God knows where we are at all times and there's nowhere that we are hidden from him. See, that would be a passage that just develops such a rich picture when you list out some of the things that are said. Um, Another passage is when it talks about the love of God, um, the width and breadth and length and depth. If you do the directions on that, it's kind of like being in the middle of a pool and you're, you're down in the water, but you're not all the way to the bottom and you're not on the top, you're in the middle. In the middle in multiple directions, like 4D. And it's really incredible. Um, And so some of these passages come to life when you pull out those details and really observe what the text is saying. Okay, Um, another idea for lists is what does the passage say about God? What does this book say about God? What does it say about Jesus Christ? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? Um, By doing stuff like that, you can really get an idea of the character and the nature of each of 
the expressions of God, um, the the God the Father, Jesus, uh, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can get kind of a picture of their identities as they are separate, and then how they blend together and work together as a unit. Because remember, they are a trinity, they are indivisible, but yet they are three distinct, different entities in and of themselves it's it's one of the mysteries of scripture that hopefully in heaven god will just make clear to our brains um uh, you know what is said of the nation of israel and when does that apply to us and when doesn't it you know that's something to observe in scripture okay so i've given you lots and lots of examples so why is it so important for context Um, And to understand why I'm discussing this with you, I want you to remember the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages are where the church lost connection to the context of Scripture. And all of a sudden, we made the English experience the context for understanding the Scriptures. Um, And so we took them out of the Hebrew context. And honestly, this still follows us today. Most of the, the pictures... Uh, images, so so to speak, created of Jesus, have him, quite frankly, as a white person. Um, a good-looking white man with a beard and long hair and, you know, nice, tall. Um, we don't know that that's the case. What we do know is that he was Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. Um, what we do know is that he is the Jewish Messiah, um, and so the Bible tells us a couple different things about how he looked, that his form was not beautiful, that there was nothing about him that somebody would say, oh, he's wonderful. Um, and, you know, it's funny because there's moments where the Bible tells us stuff like that. Like um, King Saul was incredibly handsome, and he stood very tall, and he had a great stature. Um, we know that from Scripture. We know that David was a very good-looking young man. Um, He had, I think it's a ruddy complexion, which if you know, kind of, if you look what that word means, it means that he was a very good looking kid. Um, And so sometimes we do get pictures of that and we do have some descriptions of Jesus and it's not, it's not some of the images that have been created throughout history. Okay, so at this point, I think I'm going to set us up for the next podcast, and I'm going to divide this in two, at least. Um, And so I wanted to talk real quick about the resources that um, you can build in your library. One of the biggest things I want to encourage you guys is to build your resource library, because your resource library is what helps you have easy access to some of the pieces that help us understand passages. Um, And we're going to get into a lot of that tomorrow, but I have three resources I want to um, give you guys in a sea (laughs) of resources, okay? Um, And so one of the first ones is to start the journey to understanding uh, the Bible more deeply. Um, I've used Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks and his son, Bill Hendricks, um, this book is is shaping a lot of what I'm presenting here. Um, and so I will have some quotes and some things like that from this book. Uh, and I've used him kind of uh, heavily because I love the way he organized things. So um, that is Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks, and it's published by Moody Publishers. Um, my second resource is called Illustrative illustrated manners and customs of the bible and this is by j.i packer and mc tenney 
are the editors. Um, and so this has got tons of things in it that it covers customs. It covers, you know, like if you were curious about what weddings look like, um, there's a passage in here that'll talk about it. If you wanted to know what uh, family structure and women's roles look like, um, there's a whole chapter on women and womenhood. Um page 411. You know, if you wanted to understand money, um, and I'll give you a real quick illustration of where money comes in handy. Um, reading about the burning of the scrolls in Ephesus, um, what happened is they kind of had a book burn sort of, except that it was scrolls from all of these other uh, religions. Okay. And you got to remember that Ephesus, here's a cultural piece, um, was the home of one of these the, these um, pagan worship. It was a pagan worship center, and it was also the crossroads of several trade routes through the area. And so um, what happens is when you got a temple in town and a lot of trade coming through town, you have a huge marketplace, and you sell all kinds of, there's silversmiths that are making all kinds of mini statues and stuff to take home, and, you know, and then there'll be people that are writing up all these incantations or things that have been created to, to worship all these false gods. Well, when when the gospel comes with Paul, it, it is just, there's so many converts at some point that it impacts all of those places of trade. Um, and so you find scripture references where artisans are mad, silversmiths are angry, um, because it's impacting their livelihood so much. Well, there's one specific spot where it says they got together and they burned scrolls, all kinds of things that they would have had in their previous life before coming to Christ. And the, it gives you the amount of what was burned that day is equivalent to this many days of denarii. Okay, well, the money unit there is, I think, a denarii, and that is a day's wage in that culture in that time. So, you know, interestingly, we can go, okay, a day's wage. Well, if we did $10 an hour, eight hours a day, let's say we just make it $80. We can actually figure out what monetary value that would look like in our day and age, which will really blow your mind because it's several million dollars worth of magic stuff from all of these this former life that just is burned in one fell swoop. Um, and so, you know, th there's interesting things like that that you can get from books like this. Okay, so that was The Illustrated Manners and Customs of the Bible by J.I. Packer and M.C. Tenney. The, the third book that I brought along with me today to record is The Essential Bible Handbook. Um, and this one is by Abingdon Press, but I couldn't find like an editor or an author uh, for this one. But the, the thing I like about this one is that they've got maps, like, but they've got everything written, uh, broken down by book of the Bible. And there also is a pre-section that talks about a lot of the stuff that I've covered in some previous podcasts, like the history of the Bible, the authority of the Bible, um, canonization and translation, how to study a passage, stuff like that. Um, but this has got a lot of these cultural pieces um, broken down by Bible book. So in other words, if I'm in the book of Ephesians, um, it gives me a couple of things that might be pretty important to certain passages um, that help me better understand that passage. So uh, these would be three resources that I would highly recommend for, um, for your resource library. Uh, a lot of this stuff can be found online, but it's hard to know and trust the source on some of it. 
Um, and so with things like this, you know, when you're dealing with something that's been edited by J.I. Packer, you know you're pretty pretty good. If it's uh, um, Howard Hendricks, you know, because these are kind of um, – how do I put this? They're, they're the heroes in our faith that have really spent their lives uh, striving to study the word and to educate themselves to be able to handle the word wisely. So in other words, um, these are kind of like our military geniuses for our faith. Um, so whenever you find something that's written by a very well-known and respected Christian um, speaker or uh educator, you know you have a good resource. And sometimes when you look online, you don't always know your resource on that on some of that stuff. So that's why I encourage you to get the books because although they're adding to the knowledge of what's in these books, for the most part it's going to stay the same. Um, and so they do come out with new editions after a while. So, you know, books that are like 30 years old might need to be updated, but... <laughs> Um, if, if you've got a fairly recent or if you're just buying, they're going to be good for the next 20 years, probably, if not more, because a lot of the information in them is accurate and won't change over time. Uh, although it might be better understood as we uncover more and more archaeological evidence, because quite frankly, there is so much buried that God knows is there. He's just kind of waiting for the right time and the right place and the right moment. Um, and so I, it's a, it's a wonderful time in history to be waiting and and watching for some of this evidence to be coming out okay you've been with me for the first part of this i will meet you back here next time thanks for joining faith foundations thanks for listening today be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then, meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed. Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep six and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.